Friends, it's often said that Trinity Sunday is the preacher's nightmare. But I don't buy it. I don't buy it. It, People say that because they think that the Trinity is some kind of abstract, arcane, obtuse doctrine that has no relevance to our ordinary daily lives. But I think it's just the opposite. The doctrine of the Trinity, our belief in the mystery of the Holy Trinity, that God exists as a communion of persons, Father, Son, and Spirit, is incredibly relevant. And it teaches us a number of things about who we are, about, first of all, who God is, but who we are as creatures and made in the image and likeness of Him. And so I want to share with you two lessons that I think we can take from this Trinity Sunday that is, are extremely relevant in our lives. The first is belief and faith in the Trinity teaches us a kind of intellectual humility. Because the truth is we can't grasp totally what we mean by it. Now that doesn't mean a mystery isn't something we can't say anything about. A mystery is something we can't say everything about. We can't exhaust the riches of what it means to call God a communion of persons. God has revealed himself in that way, and so we can speak of that in faith. But we can't exhaust what that means. We don't have the categories to totally understand it and say, I've got that figured out. I often use the example for people, it's like going to see a 3D movie and never putting on the 3D glasses. And your friend is next to you with the glasses on and they're nudging you and they're like, hey, did you see that? And you're like, no, I didn't see that. And it's not because there's anything wrong with the movie or there's anything wrong with the glasses. It's that because you don't have the glasses on, you don't have the capacity to see the full reality as it is. And so it's very possible we're walking around that the nature of God is the 3D movie, three persons in one God. We're just walking around without the glasses. When we see it, we get to eternal life, we put those glasses on. But for now, we see God indirectly. We see God, sort of the shadows, the reflections, the indirect reflections of God. And our first reading is really helpful at this. Okay, our first reading from the book of Exodus. And it's important to note that this is right after a really important passage in Exodus where they had just, Moses had just come down from Mount Sinai with the Ten Commandments. He comes down to find that the Israelites had not liked the 40-day delay, and so they're worshiping a golden calf. Moses gets very angry. He breaks the stone tablets. God gets very angry, but Moses talks God off the edge so he doesn't destroy the people. And so Moses and God start to develop this incredibly intimate relationship. And Moses finally says, God, show me your face. And God says, you can't see my face. You can't see me in this life directly. So God says, I'll give you a consolation prize. Okay, I'll put you, I'll position you in the crevice of this rock. And as I pass by, I'm going to put my hand over your face because we know you'll peek because everybody peeks, right? (laughs) Put your hand over. And then when I get just far enough along that you won't be able to see me, I'll release my hand and you'll see, the book of Exodus says, my backside, my shadow. You'll see the back of me, 
You won't see me face to face. You'll see me indirectly, dimly. Not with full transparency. Moses then is told by God, get two new stone tablets since you broke the last ones. Go back up the mountain and we'll, we'll start this over again. And then we get the passage today and notice that God appears in a very similar kind of metaphor in a cloud. That God always spokes to Moses, speaks to Moses in a cloud. And what do clouds do? Luckily we don't have many today. But clouds obscure. They block us from seeing in the day the sun. They block us at night from seeing the stars and the moon. They obscure. And it's as if this whole mystery is meant to say to us, listen, you better be humble before God because you can't totally grasp the nature of God. If you think you have, in the famous formulation of St. Augustine, if you think you understand God, it's not God. That we can't say, I've got God all figured out. And this is a temptation, right? It's a danger to say, like, I've got God figured out. Because often what the temptation is masking is our desire to attribute everything we already believe to God. It's a temptation to say that I put God in a box. I know God's will and God's designs. And yet the mystery of the Trinity always reminds us that though we can know God, and though God has revealed himself to us and spoken to us, there is always a sense at which he is also other. At which he is not, he is beyond our complete grasp. And I want to propose to you that if that's true at the core level of the, of the nature of God, it may also be true about a ton of other things in the world that we should be humble before. As I, uh, I might go out on a limb here to say that as I watch our national conversation about over the last month or so, about coronavirus and about race, I worry we are losing some nuanced thinking. That isn't to say that there aren't things we should all firmly agree upon. And I would encourage you in our digital bulletin this week to read uh, Bishop Thomas's letter on the death of George Floyd and what has followed in the aftermath. But it is to say that I do worry that we're not humble before really complex, difficult realities. That we are losing the ability to see that on different sides of an issue are often good people with sincere motivations and decent reason. That we're losing the ability to be humble before the truth of something that is something outside of our complete grasp. Like, I don't have it all figured out. I don't, I can't, I can't grasp it and say, I've got it all figured out. And I think the Trinity beckons us with God to do that. God, I don't have this Trinity thing all figured out. I've still got, I don't have the 3D glasses on. And I think in the nature of some of the more difficult aspects of human reality, right, we have to have that same kind of intellectual humility. The second thing, and probably more core, is that the Trinity teaches us that we were made for relationships. The basic formulation of the Trinity, that God is love, is a kind of Trinitarian declaration. Because as, as many have noted before, every act of love involves this kind of triple dynamic of lover, beloved, and the love between the two. There's always the giver of love, the receiver of love, and the shared love between the two. The same with gift-giving, right? There's always a giver, a receiver, and the gift. And so at the core of who God is for a Christian, 
It's that God exists in this communion of shared love between lover, beloved, and love. And so one of uh, a 20th century thinkers said, the Trinity is just a sophisticated way of saying God is love. That God exists eternally as this, this dynamic relationship of lover, beloved, and the shared love between the two. But what that means for us who are made in his image and likeness is that we were made to share relationship. That we were made for relationship. We were not made for isolation. We were not made for self-absorption. To be godlike is to be dependent upon others. To be godlike is to be sustained and nourished by relationships. And to go even a step further, it is to bring about unity in the midst of difference. See, the traditional formulation of the Trinity, this is getting a little technical, but that there within the Godhead, there's a principle of unity, we call it substance or nature of being, and there's a principle of distinction or difference, which we call person. So we see three persons in one God. So notice that at the very core of the nature of God is the traditional motto of the United States, e pluribus unum, out of the many one. That is God. The many persons, the three persons united into the unity of a single substance, of a single being. So at the core of who God is, and therefore the core of who we are as made in the image and likeness of God, are people who are called to find unity in the midst of difference. That doesn't mean flattening differences, but it means finding a transcendent unity. Right? St. Paul talks about the end of 2 Corinthians. Right? And by the way, we got... If you notice that the second reading today, um, we see the biblical uh, precedent for that greeting that I say at the beginning of Mass, grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I think a few of you even said, and with your spirit, uh, when that was read, right? But, but Paul talks about agreeing with one another, living, encouraging one another, living in peace, which can only come about, because we have all sorts of differences, all sorts of areas where we can distinguish each other. But that can only come about when we strive to find a unity that transcends even in the midst of our distinctions and differences. It's what the Trinity is. It's the nature of God. To find the one out of the many. And that's our call as made in the image and likeness of God. So friends, I find the Trinity not uh, irrelevant, not untimely, not arcane, not obscuring, not abstract. I find it incredibly relevant that the core of who God is and therefore the core of who we are right, is relational social beings made like him to share in his, uh, the interior life of the Trinity so that that life overflows the same love in the, in the midst of the Trinity that overflowed in the creation of the natural world, the same life and love that overflowed, as our gospel says, in the gift of God's only Son, that God so loved the world that his love overflowed into the gift of Jesus. That same love is meant to overflow in us. And so the Trinity today beckons us to be intellectually humble before this great reality of God but also to know that our call as members made in the image and likeness of God is to be social, relational beings 
and to continue to work in our own ways, in our own communities, to build unity in the midst of difference. And that's something I think the Trinity is something our world desperately needs.